This is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast, hosted by Roman Prokopchuk, bringing you all things digital marketing, tech, business, and motivation. What's stopping you from becoming relentless in all aspects of life? Are you ready to become a digital savage? Let's get into today's episode. Hey everyone, this is Roman Prokopchuk and this is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast. Today I have with me Elliot Connor. Elliot's the founder and CEO of Human Nature Projects, an international environmental charity supporting volunteers in 104 countries. He is a TED speaker, author, podcast host, and filmmaker with a goal of reframing our human relationship with nature. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Roman. Really looking forward to uh, the show, having an interesting conversation. It should be great to see where things lead and hopefully the uh, audience will find things interesting to follow, learn something along the way. Awesome. So tell me a little bit about your journey. How did you get to where you are today? Sure. So, I mean, I've always been passionate, interested in the natural world. Uh, So, if you look back a long way, I'm British by birth. I've always had that as part of my upbringing, part of my culture. There's long walks in the countryside, a bit of bird watching. Generally, nature appreciation is much more popular over there. So I was lucky to be brought up in that manner. I guess, I guess my appreciation of nature, my knowledge of the natural world was more systematized a few years ago uh, so it would have been four or five years ago now and uh, that actually came through photography uh, so I spent six months uh, documenting uh, photographing uh, the mini beasts the insects spiders uh, bugs in my garden uh, for about six months uh, in every spare afternoon I had and uh, that really taught me about the taxonomy, about how these creatures live, behaved, uh, how to uh, document them, uh, understand their lives. <laughs> Since then, I've contributed images to field guides about insects and helped write one myself. Uh, but that was, <laughs> I guess, my opening. So I started with uh, very, very small and then moved onwards. Uh, so uh, further opportunities presented themselves. I started doing a lot of local volunteering, uh, so very extensively with organisations uh, in Sydney and surrounds. Uh, so I did a lot of work with birds, I did some work with zoos, like animal caring, and that led to uh, about 18 months ago uh, my taking on a volunteer placement at a wildlife rescue and rehab centre in southern France. Uh, So it was just at the start of 2019 and I spent about a month uh, over there. It was quite a remote region. I was lodging in a castle and in some of the long winter nights I spent over there, uh, I was also spending the time uh, passing it by researching uh, the operations of about 200 major environmental NGOs. So I had found it quite difficult to work myself into these spaces to find uh, volunteering opportunities to 
really helped make a difference as I'd hoped to. So I guess this was a way for me to see how I might better integrate myself uh, with the field, see what was going on uh, both in Australia and abroad. Uh, so uh, covering many of the big names in the space, what they were doing, uh, where they were, how they organized, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, but what I found basically through that was that especially these larger names, so uh, some of the uh, big figureheads in the field uh, were really struggling to engage with the public and to engage with volunteers. So my experience uh, was uh, much more universal than I'd expected. And that led in a very roundabout way to me starting this charity of mine, Human Nature Projects. So the idea behind that was essentially to create a community within conservation, uh, so to create an entry point into the field uh, that would allow uh, everyone, uh, no matter their background, country, language, experience, uh, to make a real tangible contribution to conservation. Uh, so providing that entry point, as I say, into the field uh, was something I believe was sorely lacking. And as you mentioned, uh, I continue to do that in the uh, 12 months or so since I started that group. We've grown to encompass volunteers across about 105 countries. So it's gone really well. It's scaled very rapidly. And I think that just attests to the power of the idea. <laughs> it certainly transformed my life. It's been a busy year ever since doing that. Uh, but I've definitely worked myself into these circles. I started helping many, many more people across the world, uh, making a real uh, a difference to the space, hoping to reimagine conservation to become much, much more inclusive. And this where uh, this philosophy, human nature of mine comes in. Uh, so that's this worldview I'm trying to promote, uh, how we can better live as human beings on this planet, how we can change our perspective, shift our view and you said reframe our human relationship with nature. So it's my belief that if we can do that, then uh, much of the 21st century issues we face, both environmental and social, uh, will collapse. Uh, there'll be very, very little resistance to creating uh, the future world we'd like to see. That's awesome. And uh, oftentimes you, you find a pain point and you kind of just have to run with it or find a need. And, you know, that's what you kind of exactly did. And with everything going on, I guess, in the world currently, I see, you know, a lot of, a lot of countries had uh, full lockdowns and stuff like that. And this whole pre, you know, post uh, COVID pandemic world, I feel like seeing stuff in terms of uh, different animal populations and stuff like certain places where there was a lot of pollution and stuff when everything slowed down, like nature started he uh, healing itself. And it's really interesting to kind of hear those stories around the world. Yeah, no, definitely. It's been strange uh, time, strange circumstances for nature and uh, COVID definitely is that double edged sword. So as uh, populations have gone into lockdown as countries have closed off their borders, stopped uh, much internal traffic, uh, then you're right, uh, nature has recovered in many places. Uh, so we have been seeing those stories. There's been some beautiful ones from New Zealand as well. You might have seen them uh, from zoos and aquariums uh, that have 
let their animals have free roam at the premises. So really heartwarming uh, tales like that. Uh, I saw recently there was a concert they put on in Bologna in the Opera House to uh, several thousand potted plants. So that was an interesting idea as well. <laughs> Some of the interesting uh, concerns, ideals that brought up. <laughs> I know in Switzerland, uh, they've got this uh, rule as part of their constitution uh, that they have to afford dignity to animals and plants. Uh, so what that might mean for these rights of nature and how we interact with other animals and plants. Uh, but that idea in Bologna, Italy, uh, I thought that was really interesting. So that's another COVID consequence. And whilst uh, some of the big uh, conferences, some of the big uh, gatherings for 2020, uh, of which there were many, uh, have had been postponed or cancelled. So some of the more ambitious plans for world leaders, for countries moving forward, have been set back. I think uh, the community response to environmentalism, to uh, all these social issues, has definitely gained momentum. We're seeing a rise in solidarity, a rise in the following of these grassroots movements. So, yeah, uh, there's positives, there's negatives, uh, but we work with what we have. That's awesome. So, what motivates you to succeed? Obviously, those motivations may have changed over time, but what currently motivates you to succeed? <laughs> I think it's two things. So uh, there's uh, partly my love of nature. Obviously, I'm very, very passionate about what I do. I think you have to be to be working in the space. It is long days. It's hard work. Uh, but uh, because I love nature, I'm really uh, interested in uh, protecting it, conserving it, and restoring it ultimately, uh, then that uh, keeps me going day in, day out, and ultimately motivates me to succeed. I think uh, is that common rhetoric uh, that we're at this turning point. Uh, there is an urgency, uh, a sense of if we don't do it now, uh, when? So uh, that is part of the equation. Uh, the other half then is just the people around me. Uh, so uh, one of the perhaps unexpected consequences of starting up human nature projects involving myself in two dozen other charities has been just this incredible support community and mentors, uh, fellow young leaders, uh, people who I'm mentoring. Uh, so it's very much that cyclical, uh, cyclical uh, structure. And I really enjoy uh, the interactions I have uh, with other passionate people uh, each day. So I might be speaking with fellow leaders in a dozen countries in my daily routine and having those conversations uh, getting to speak with all these inspiring people hear what they're up to uh, hear their own experiences has been really really transformational for me uh, seeing what they can achieve have achieved uh, through human age projects or in other uh, ventures i'm part of uh, that has been uh, really really good for me i talk about a model of mass individualism uh, which is essentially recognizing the power of the individual, uh, seeing what their strengths may be at their skill set, and uh, very much working with that. So supporting them if they have any ideas uh, for how they'd like to change the world, if they've got a vision, uh, some goals they're working towards, but then also connecting them up uh, with a community or a larger collective 
So that's, I guess, how human nature projects are set up. Very, very effective model. Uh, it's allowing all of our volunteers effectively to have uh, this tailored experience to uh, make a change, to contribute in a way that is very real for them, very personalized for them. And I think that really helps. So uh, <laughs> it creates a really good relationship with our volunteers and with our volunteer staff. Uh, they're all very, very keen, uh, very committed to what they do. Uh, so being part of that community and uh, part of the environmental field more generally, especially with this uh, very energized youth movement, is certainly keeping me going. And so that would be the other thing that motivates me. Yeah, I think it's important to uh, kind of surround yourself with people, like-minded people, and obviously people within your profession, your line of work, obviously, that have the same motivation and drive that obviously sometimes maybe you're not as motivated. That really kind of picks you up and keeps you going. And I think it's important kind of if, you know, you're not going to do something, who's going to do it? Why not now? So in terms of kind of conservation, you know, we can put it off, we can wait for the ideal situation or funding, or we can do something about it now because we may not have a tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely, definitely. I think we need to very much take into account uh, what's going on in COVID. brought its light beautifully, being a zoonotic disease, uh, just how much that shows about our human relationship with nature how that's harming us just as much as the natural world. So uh, we do need to take a step back, look at the bigger picture and see what's going on, because in many cases it's quite severe. It's going to take a lot of fixing, but we definitely have the means with which to do so. It's about uh, building up the willpower and uh, the following to make sure it happens and i think and in the brief time in the brief span that human age projects have been around that i've been developing this framework this philosophy it's definitely shown uh, some very positive signs of scalability and of success so it's i think it's bright for future looking forward that's awesome so what's one thing you may have seen as a weakness in yourself in the past that you've turned around and utilized as a strength today <laughs> oh yes yeah, it's, it's a really good question and it's something i'm working on i struggle with uh, trying to be very introspective uh, looking at uh, myself uh, very objectively I, what i found certainly in, in this journey of mine is that the, the most important and the most difficult part of leadership is uh, just an authenticity to self so if you think leadership essentially is just telling people a story and having them believe it, uh, you're bringing others on a journey, uh, creating uh, this framework, if you will, uh, this uh, this creation and having them accept it uh, and then integrate into it. So bringing them on that journey. But for me, it's very much uh, learning to accept that vulnerability in myself. I'm someone who's naturally introverted. I don't do well public speaking, talking on podcasts or uh, talking to crowds. So you may have seen I did a, a, TED, a TEDx talk very recently. Uh, that was very, very unnatural for me. Uh, but it was a great experience even so. Uh, so I think really opening up, uh, sharing my own story and recognizing the importance of that 
uh, being able to accept where I may be, what I can do, what my limits may be, and bring others in to assist, complement that has been a real learning curve. I've certainly uh, developed uh, much greater faith in others. So <laughs> I'm a perfectionist. I don't, I don't naturally delegate, uh, but I've learned to do so. So it's, yeah, it's definitely been a journey. Uh, but I think for me, it's been uh, very much opening myself up to others, uh, building a more integral community around myself and uh, very much taking others on that journey with me uh, has been the hardest part, uh, but also, then again, the most re rewarding. So. Yeah, I agree. I think to a certain extent, I'm a little bit introverted and I think with the podcast and different speaking engagements, kind of, you know, taking myself out of my comfort zone. I think that's important for us as human beings, because I think the greatest amount of kind of uh, innovation happens when you're outside of your comfort zone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it definitely pro uh, provokes a response if you're not used to it. It's, it can be stressful. Definitely. Uh, but fortunately, I'm walking that path early. So learning the skill set and it's, I've come a long way <laughs> being forced into leadership for human age projects. Uh, it's definitely, definitely transformed my life. Yeah. And I think it's important, like you said, for leaders, you know, present an idea and get by and really tell a story, get people passionate about it, people involved, people behind you about it. And I think it's important for somebody to, you know, have that skill. It's not a necessarily a natural skill. I think it's a uh, emotional IQ kind of skill to, you know, lead others and motivate and inspire others. But I think as you kind of, you know, break into it and, and, and do it a little bit more, it's something that you can kind of build up. Yeah, yeah, no, it's definitely a skill you acquire very slowly along this path. Uh, but it's also one of the most valuable ones as well as uh, one of the hardest to learn. Uh, so, yeah, uh, that definitely has been a real learning for me, uh, being able to show that and see it in others as well. Uh, so uh, being able to open myself up uh, but also appreciate the strengths and weaknesses of others and it's yeah it's it's not easy uh, but it's something uh, which will definitely transform your leadership if you will and will definitely transform your life if you can master it as a skill it's integral to much of the community building i do and to running human nature projects which is essentially one large community is very flat in structure so uh, being able to motivate to inspire is <laughs> key to uh, continuing success in these operations yeah i agree and i think you also mentioned kind of um you know putting yourself out there and telling your story you know some people are afraid to share some people think their star story isn't powerful enough or they may not reach enough people but i think everybody has something to share that can impact at least one other person out there and can really get people involved or help them through a situation and really get them passionate about a subject. Yeah, no, very much so. One of the things I most enjoyed about setting up human nature projects is hearing other people's stories, seeing where they've come from, uh, where they're going, how human nature projects has and will support them. Uh, so that's been very, very inspiring for me to see uh, one of the, 
uh, one which definitely comes to mind is that of Justice Senkoto, uh, so our national director in Lesotho, a tiny, tiny madness, uh, very low affluence, as Southern African country. And uh, Justice came from a background in the uh, HR for the Lesotho Olympic team, uh, but he joined us very early in the piece. It would have been the uh, first week or two setting up human nature projects. And essentially what he said is he's always been interested in conservation. Uh, it's, it's something which in Lesotho had absolutely no following uh, prior to human nature projects setting up there. Uh, so we were the first environmental NGO, the first environmental uh, group, uh, group to operate in that region. So it was definitely a long process to uh, to communicate uh, to these authorities to tell them our story and why they needed to act. So gaining their support, uh, but then creating this very powerful uh, community across Lesotho, uh, creating that national team, seeing how that's developed, flourished, prospered uh, under the justice's guidance. Uh, so him undertaking that journey alongside us at Human Nature Projects and with that support, uh, slowly, slowly uh, creating a very real public following uh, for uh, the field, uh, educating uh, public, so uh, they're based in the capital, Maseru, and uh, seeing uh, how much that's changed. Uh, so they recently did celebration for uh, the World Environment Day and for a few other events, that went amazingly. And thankfully, not shut down by COVID or quite by the lockdown. Uh, they're doing some school programs, or uh, once schools reopen, that is. Uh, but uh, it's, yeah, it's definitely been an amazing, inspiring journey for me to follow. Seeing that replicated across so many different countries, uh, seeing uh, these leaders step forward uh, from all sorts of backgrounds, all sorts of positions, how they're. Uh, national teams, uh, how these international working groups have developed, flourished through the Human Nature Projects model uh, has been uh, that one thing which keeps on give, giving back to me. Yeah, that's awesome. Being able to share that and then share, obviously, other people's stories that also may not be able to share themselves. So in turn, obviously, somebody will will hear this interview and also hear you mentioning that and maybe look into that. Maybe they're on the African continent or like to help there. So it's like you never know who's listening and you never know in terms of who, who a conversation or who a story will really touch as well. Yeah, 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 definitely. So what's one piece of advice you can leave with the audience, personal or professional? <laughs> what's one piece of advice? Hmm. Well, I think harking back uh, to the earlier uh, point about myself as an introvert and uh, developing that authenticity as a leader, uh, one piece of advice I would follow is uh, just to be uh, sure of yourself uh, to and not hesitate if you have an idea, have a vision. Uh, for me, uh, much of the framework, much of the philosophy uh, came, as I mentioned, in that time in France. So uh, in that month I spent over there in January, uh, but I didn't start Human Nature Projects until uh, late June, early July. And part of that was <laughs> not knowing where it would go and not knowing how it could scale, uh, what it would look like even uh, once I did uh, make that leap of faith. Uh, but I think 
uh, having done so, having started the organisation and uh, built it up in those first few months, it was it was incredible for me to see uh, just how much could be achieved uh, by one such as myself, with very very little uh, leadership experience prior, uh, with very little formal knowledge about how to run something like this. If you do have a vision, if you do have a goal to create change in the world, whatever it may be, then going ahead doing it and seeing where it leads can be one of the most powerful, rewarding things you can hope for. So I never would have imagined where human nature projects could be 12 months on, 105 countries, 1,500 volunteers. It's been that very, very incredible journey scaling for me and for all of those volunteers, so for the entire community. Uh, but simply having the courage in oneself, having that belief uh, to take that initial step and especially to reach out to others. Uh, so I'm very lucky in having gained mentorship support uh, by others more experienced along this journey, uh, whether it's in uh, storytelling mediums, in uh, photography, in filmmaking, in graphic design, in more formalized leadership, management, uh, financing, whatever it may be, uh, but simply having the courage to reach out to others and ask for that help uh, because people are very, very willing to support, uh, regardless of whether you're 17 like myself or more advanced on the journey. Uh, there will be others who have been there before. Uh, so there's always learnings you can take, pitfalls you can avoid uh, if you get in early. So and that would definitely be my learning uh, to. Uh, take that leap of faith uh, to be very clear in your vision and communicate that early. Uh, but more importantly, just go ahead and start something, see where it leads. Because if you uh, can be true to yourself, true to your vision and seek that support from others, uh, there really are very, very few limits to what you can achieve. Yeah. And I think uh, a lot of people don't carry out that idea they have and then, you know, materialize it into an actual a thing that you fulfill, you make a plan for, and you carry out. I think a lot of people out there have great ideas, but don't have the courage to kind of take that idea and bring it to life. No, very much so. <laughs> Part of this journey in creating human nature projects has been helping others to walk that too. So uh, spinning off all sorts of uh, various ideas in this environmental space, which they hadn't had the courage and they hadn't had and the perseverance to achieve on uh, on their own. Uh, so uh, supporting our volunteers in that way has been, as, as I say, very, very rewarding. Uh, so I think if any of our listeners uh, can take that on board, if they have an idea and if they uh, have a vision for the change they want to make, uh, then seeking that support, yes, to do it, uh, but very much taking that leap of faith is the most important part of uh, creating it and of growing it oneself. Yeah, I agree. So I really appreciate you stopping by today. Can you let the audience know how they can find you? Sure. So you can visit my website, which is elliotconnor.com, or you can head over to the Human Nature Projects website, humannatureprojects.org, or you can check out my podcast, which is just called Human Nature. Awesome. Thanks again for stopping by. Great. Thanks. 
This podcast has been brought to you by Nova Zora Digital. Find out how Nova Zora Digital can help your company grow online. Learn more at NovaZoraDigital.com. Until next time, all you digital savages.